Well, thank you very much. Um, it's great to be in the house of God tonight, isn't it? Um, I, I just want to pray quickly before I open the word. Um, or if you pray with me. Um, God, I pray that you would anoint my lips tonight, God. God, I pray that, you know, Jesus, you would use what I've got and use it to feed the multitudes, God. God, because I know I could speak for hours on end, God, with a thousand words, God, but I know that one word from you, God, will change the course of someone's destiny tonight, God. So that one word, God, will come to that person tonight, God. You know, I've done my job, God, and God, I pray that you would uh, bless us with your presence, God. I know you're already here, God. God, I pray that you would speak to every single person, God, tonight. pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Right, so I just want to introduce myself. I'm Kev. Um, I'm originally from the Philippines, and I came over uh, in 2004. So I've been living in England for the last nine years now. So technically, I'm a missionary. I'd have to leave the comfort of sun, you know, on the beach of the Philippines to live in England. Man, you know, God must love you really much. But, uh, but you know, well, seriously, man, you know, I, when, when my mom asked me to move to England, I, I honestly felt like God wanted me to come over here. You know, it wasn't just by accident. I honestly felt like God ordained me to be here. You know, that's just me. That's not me getting a bit too, you know, arrogant. But I honestly feel like, you know, God called me to this country for a specific uh, reason. And so as, you know, so as they don't feel your life as well, you know, you, you're here in this church for, for a reason. You know, it's not just by accident that you're here. God wants to use you in a mighty way. Um, so if you've got your Bibles, please turn to Matthew 6, starting from verse 5. Um, I'm reading for the, from the NIV. So if you've got it, say amen. You got it? Okay. Um, so before we start, before we start, I just want to kind of like lay some introduction about prayer. You know, it was funny because when Phil asked me to do, uh, to preach about prayer, I was like, yep, great Phil, felt privileged. And I'm thinking, inside I'm thinking, oh, what have I just done here? (laughs) Because I'm thinking I'm not the greatest in terms of discipline when it comes to prayer. I'm going to be honest with you. I, I have to time myself, you know, set a time. Uh, throughout the day for me to pray because I'm not disciplined. So in that instant, you know, I just felt like, you know, the enemy's getting to my, to my ear and saying, well, you know, look at you preaching about praying. You're, you're like a hypocrite. And I'm thinking, oh, God, what have I done here? But then Jesus reminded me, you know, never speak out of your weakness, you know. Never preach out of your weakness, but preach out of my, my strength. And I just realized, man, you know what? If I do that tonight... I think we're going to receive something from God that's going to really impact our lives. Are you with me? Okay, so prayer, I believe, is not a formula. You know, I, I've heard people um, say before, if you pray in a certain way, things are going to happen. You know, it's not, mag- it's not a set of magic words. It's not abracadabra, you know, you see all these like Disney films and, you know, you think it's just, it just happens, but it, it's not. But I think the more I read about um, you know, I'm more, the more I read about prayer, I see it more as a fuel for the church to advance, you see. When I was reading, you know, the Bible, it's, it's great because, you know, you read something in the Bible a hundred times and it still speaks to you in a, in a different way every time. So, this is what God revealed to me. Every time God moved throughout the history of mankind, it was preceded by prayer. 
Always. There, there's no two ways about it. So let, let me give you two examples um, from the Bible or the New Testament. So before Moses led the Israelites out of Egypt, people were praying. You know, God said to Moses, Moses, I've heard the cry of my people. What does that say? That was prayer. It may not be pretty because think about it. You know, the Israelites were slaves. They weren't like, okay, kids, you know, let's just get up, you know, put your best suit on, you know. It wasn't like that because they were slaves. Now, in the midst of that, God still heard them. Now, it wasn't eloquent, but it was still prayer, okay? Okay, so in the New Testament, in Acts, the church started in a prayer meeting. How cool was that? You know, it, it wasn't funded by millionaires. It wasn't funded by the government. It, it started in a prayer meeting. Meaning to say that history is silent about thriving churches that never prayed. Bear that in mind, church. You know, I think a lot of people don't want to pray because of the cost that comes with it. Do you know what I mean? Like, Sometimes you pray and you think, oh, I don't know what God's going to say to me. It might cost me something. But I realized that, you know, people would rather be comfortable, complacent, and convenient instead of counting the cost. I thought Phil might like the three C's there if it was here. But. <laughs> but I used to, you know, personally, I used to get scared that God might ask me to do something that I can't do. Have you ever felt like that? Um, then I realized that, if God had asked me to do something that I can do in my own strength, I have the tendency to not rely upon him. So he has to ask me something that, uh, to do that I'd only be able to accomplish with him. See, we simply cannot bypass prayer because not only that it's unsustainable, but it's reckless and irresponsible. When we don't pray, we're, what we're saying then is that we don't need God. And let me tell you, that's a dangerous place to be in. We need to pray for the kingdom of God to advance simply because of lost people. You see, getting this building does not mean we've arrived. We're just getting started, church. We're just getting started. And if, and if you're still thinking about the cost of praying, you know, can I just say that when it comes to lost people, it's always worth the cost. It's always worth the cost, man. You know, uh, I shared this story with Paul a couple of weeks ago and um, we were having chips, and we have a fellowship, you know, it was great, you know, I love food and stuff, and so it was great, and I was like, God, you know, man, you know, you're doing something great in Mansfield, and then I needed a drink, so I ran across the chippy, and I saw this guy, and I realized that he was actually drunk out of his face, and and honestly, right there, and then God just spoke to me, you know, like, yeah, Kev, you know, this this two sides to reality in Mansfield, you see, like, yeah, it's, it's great, you know, don't, don't get me wrong, it's great that we're having fellowship, we're having, you know, we're, we're seeing people come, come to church. But on the other side, literally a couple of steps outside this building, there's somebody who needs Jesus. Now, let me tell you, church, that broke me. Because like, I'm thinking, it was quarter to eight at night. I'm thinking, what, what must be going through his mind to, be, to get drunk at that time of the day? It's no hope, you see. It's no hope. Because he's thinking, well, I might as well just drink myself um, to sleep tonight because nothing's going to change anyway. But listen, church, we've got a message that can change anybody's life. So that's why we need to pray that, you know, that this church advances and fulfills its destiny. You believe me with me? 
So, uh, so Matthew 6, verse 5, this is Jesus speaking. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the street corners to be seen by others. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward. And for watch that word reward, because it really caught me off guard. When you pray, go into your room, close the door, and pray to your father who is unseen. Then your father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. So the word reward appears twice in that passage. So I'm going to speak about that later. So from this passage, I gathered that prayer must be and always should be intentional. It is something that, you know, it doesn't just happen. Okay, so this is what Jeremiah 29, 13 said. You know, this is my, one of my favorite verses. Josh introduced it to me. I didn't even know it was in the Bible. It says, this is in a message. When you come looking for me, you'll find me. This is God speaking. Yes, when you get serious about finding me and want it more than anything else, I'll make sure you won't be disappointed. How powerful is that? How powerful is that? You see, I learned this from a young age, that the secret place where you meet God is one of the most important places in your life. Most of the time, um, in the secret place, I'm at my quietest. You know, if, if, if you know me, like, it's never a quiet moment sometimes. And sometimes Hannah will be like, oh, just shut up. You know, like, well, I'm just like that kind of a guy. But in God's presence, I, I know, I know when to qu- stay quiet. Because I want to learn to value every word that God says to me. Um, you know, the late, great uh, Eric Hobson taught me this from a very young age. I can remember. Um, it must have been a few years ago. Um, I was leading worship at church uh, on a Saturday, Saturday afternoon. And, and, you know, I was like nervous. And Julie was like, okay, Kev, you know, you're leading this afternoon because we have to go somewhere. I was like, oh, no. So I was like, okay, I'll, I'll just play a couple of songs that I really know. Okay, so it went really well, I thought, okay, you know, because Phil came up to me and says, yeah, well done, Kev, you know. Did really well. Then Eric Hobson came up to me, and in only, you know, what Eric could say it, and, and he goes to me, the straight face. He goes, "Young man, because when you go when you go home and spend time with God, make sure you turn everything off: your mobile phone, your TV, your laptop. Turn everything off, and then just walked away." And I'm thinking, how does he know about my devotion life? <laughs> but I was like, and and I was like, I don't know. It just caught me, you know that. When God speaks to you in a specific time and it just hits that, you know, that part of you, I'm thinking, wow. See, what Eric was trying to say, that not only that he wants Jesus to be glorified when my life's for all to see, but he wants Jesus to be glorified when nobody else is looking, you see. That's what he wanted to say. You know, he could have said it a lot better, but I got, I, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, See, it's, it's important to be intentional about prayer because could you imagine meeting somebody important and while you're meeting them, you're on your phone or whatever, you know, you're in your laptop and you're distracted. Do you really think that's honoring to that person that you're meeting with? Like from, from a person's point of view, I would say that's quite rude, if I'm being honest. But we've got to remember we're speaking to God, God Almighty. You know, we, we've been given the privilege to, to have direct access to God. That's not license for us to abuse it, but it's a privilege for us to enjoy. You know, me and Hannah, we've got this phrase called quality time. And 
quality time does not um, involve me being on my phone or, you know, playing on my games because she always tells me off about it. Or being on Facebook, you know, sometimes I just go on Facebook and do nothing. And, you know, and we've got to say, look, can we have quality time? Because it's important to have that quality time. When you can have two-way conversation, you see, I used to think prayer was just talking at God. But I, the more I realized about it, prayer is actually a two-way conversation, you know. There's more things that I've learned in my quiet time than me speaking to God. You know, and I think the reason why Jesus asks us to go to that quiet place is because he knows that we're prone to distractions. And if we're distracted, then we lose the reason why we pray in the first place. Um, I mentioned earlier that the, the word reward is mentioned twice in that passage. Now, I used to think that the answer to our prayers was the reward, right? Because I used to think, okay, if I pray for somebody's healing, okay, that's, you know, and they get healed, that's the reward. But then God said, God said to me, um, look, you know, the reward isn't actually the answer to the, to the prayer, if you look at it, that's kind of like just collateral damage, you know. It just happens, right? And I said, so what is the reward then, God? Because I thought from a young age that was the reward. You know, you pray and you get rewarded by your answer prayer. And says, the real reward is that you get to spend time with my son, Jesus. It hit me. And I'm like, wow, you know, because most of the time we're after the answered prayer as opposed to the answer, only in prayer. So... This is what Paul says in Philippians 3, uh, verse 14. It says, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. See, he knew, he knew who his, his reward was. He, he wasn't bothered about fame. He wasn't bothered about money. He, you know, when you read Paul's story, you know, he could tell this guy just wanted Jesus. You know, at one point, actually, he said, you know, I'm, I think he was about to die, and he goes, well, it's better for me to stay. It's better for you for me to stay here. But actually, I'd rather be with Jesus right now. Um, Verse 7, prayer is personal. It's personal. It says here, and when you pray, do not keep, keep on babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them, for your Father knows what you need before you ask him. Aren't you glad that God is a personal God? That not only that he's a God in control of the universe, but he sees the details of your life up to the tiniest one. That he cares enough for you to, you know, this is funny because Jesus actually said, you know, did you know that your, the, your hairs on your head are numbered, right? And I used to think, okay, well, some people might think, well, that's not really hard to do because, you know, I haven't got much here. And I've started receding, I'm thinking, yep. Not hard to do, guys, but, <laughs> so pray for me, guys, but no. But what, what he was saying was like, it was numbered, not counted. The difference between numbered and counted is when one of my hair fell off this morning, he knew that was hair number 5,005. That's how much he values you. You know, because I used to think, you know, if I lose one hair, I think, okay, because I've only got 3,000 hair. No, he, he knows what number. Now, that speaks to me of, how much care he has for you. Because if, if he cares for your, you know, for, in, uh, for you in that detail, man, can you, th- can you imagine how much he cares for you, you know, in the bigger picture? You know, 
in the, in the last couple of years, I've had this great revelation that God wants to spend time with me more than I want to spend time with him. That actually, I used to think that if I didn't spend time with God, that, you know, he get, he'd get angry at me, you know. Because that's what people react, how people react, don't they? When, if, um, if you say to somebody, okay, I'll meet you here, and, and if you didn't turn up, they'd, you know, they'd be fuming. I know I would be, but... But you see, I used to think that God thought like that and he reacted the same way as people. Actually, you know, God just miss, misses me. Just God just missed me. You know, and the thing is, I know that the word father will put some people off because, um, you know, some of us, you know, I, let me tell you my story. Look, I didn't have a great relationship with my dad growing up. And in, in a way, um, that experience hindered the way I viewed God as my father. You know, no wonder the enemy's been trying so hard to ruin, you know, the father's image in families. Because he knows if he can get to um, the father's image in the natural, he, he can work his way up to the supernatural, you see. But the more I read God's word, I started praying to God. I said, God, you know, if, if you are who you say you are, then I don't want to miss it. If you are who you say you are, I don't want to miss it. Then I started reading it, and you know, the Bible says that he has plans, plans to prosper me, not to harm me. That he sees me not as a reject, but through the eyes of grace, I am fearfully and wonderfully made. That he's proud of me, even if I haven't done a single thing for him. You know, that, there's a story um, when Jesus was getting baptized, and you know, all of a sudden, the, like, the, the heavens opened up, and, and God said to Jesus, you know, God said to the people, this is my son, to whom I'm her love, and I'm well pleased. And, and you might be thinking, well, yeah, well, that's Jesus. But let me just remind you, he hasn't even done a miracle up to that point. He's not even done anything for God up to that point just yet. But God, so, God says, I'm proud of you. And I think there's, there's a few people here that need to hear that tonight. God's proud of you. He doesn't need you to do anything for him. He's proud of you already. But that, that revelation only came through prayer, you see. And the more I prayed about that prayer, and, you know, I think about my friends and my family who don't know him yet, and I'm thinking, God, because I know who you are, I don't want them to miss it. I don't want them to miss you, who you are, God. I don't want, I don't want them to miss this relationship that me and you have got. Thirdly, and this is my final point, prayer is relational. A while ago, I realized that my prayer sounded like my prayer life sounded more like the way I ordered my food at my uh, takeaway, you know. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, I just come up and say to God, God, I need this, 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 and that. Yep, okay, thank you, I'm off. You know what I'm saying? And, and then I kind of like, okay. I kind of like felt convicted because I'm thinking, you know, God, you, you're way worth more than that, you know. You're my father. You know, me and you, like, we go through things that nobody's ever seen before. And me and you, we stay together. So I started, you know, I just started approaching God in a different way. You know, I was like, God, you know, God, you, you're awesome. You know, that's, that's what I always start. I used to start my prayer. God, you're awesome. You're great. You know, I just started proclaiming God's goodness before my request. And I believe that the more time we spend in prayer, the closer we get to the Father's heart. 
And the closer we get to the Father's heart, the more he can reveal to us about the secrets of his kingdom, you see. So I said to God, I said, God, Matthew 6, uh, verse 9 and 13, that's the Lord's prayer. I know some of you guys have been around church long enough to know it. But I used to think, what does that really mean? Because, you know, the, you know, I used to have uh, loads of Catholic uh, friends and they used to just pray every single day. I'm thinking, surely that's not how you want it to be. So I asked him, God, what does it really mean? Um, and then God revealed something to me. I've never seen this before. It's, it's such a revelation for me. And, and see, when, when Jesus said that he is building his church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it, I believe him. I know that he's doing it, right? Do you believe in me? I know he's doing it. You see, the government will not stop the church. They've tried in the past. They won't stop it. Recession won't stop the church. Persecution will not stop the church. Even if we have to go underground with this, we're still going to go. But then I realized, um, but God, how about if the church started straying away from what you want them to do? Could the church, like the local church, stop itself from progressing? He goes, yeah. Yeah. So when Jesus said, yep, the gates of hell shall not prevail against, he wasn't lying. But then he said, because the church is made out of people, we've got issues. Now, then God said to me, so he kind of like highlighted every single one from verse 9 to 13. He says, the presence or the lack, of, or the lack thereof of what every verse contains determines the course of every single church. So let me bullet point it. So verse 9, it says, this, is, this then is how you should pray, our Father in heaven hallowed be your name. So he's speaking about worship. Okay. Now, you know, speaking of worship and adoration, on the flip side, when churches stop worshiping the Father, we've got problems. That's number one. Okay. Number two, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It's about vision. And it's always, about, it's always been about lost people being reconciled with God right from the very start of the time. Now, you see, um, when, when Jesus was saying this, um, I bet you, you know, Peter, it would have been Peter, because he's always the one who says something stupid. But, like, I bet he was, like, thinking, yes, he's, he's going to reestablish the kingdom of Israel. Well, he wouldn't have been wrong, because up to that point, every, uh, every time God established a kingdom, it was a physical kingdom, right? Now, See, Jesus was talking about a different kind of kingdom, you see. He says, in Hebrews, he says, we are receiving a kingdom that is unshakable. Unshakable. Now, if it's unshakable, it doesn't speak about buildings. Because buildings can be shaken at any point. I'll come back to that in a second because I really believe that God revealed something to me so great in that passage, in that little verse there. So, next one. Give us today our daily bread. It speaks about dependency on God. He will provide the church's need. On the flip side, when we, stop, when we start depending on our own talents and our own ideas, we've got problems. Number, number, verse 12. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. It's about his grace, you see. See, the more we realize we're forgiven, the easier for us to forgive. You know, there was, you know Jesus told this parable and you know, he goes... 
there was this guy who couldn't understand the, the grace of God, and he started like chasing this other guy for his debt. And God says, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. Listen, if you're forgiven, you know, you've got every, th- you've got every license to forgive somebody. Now, on the flip side, how many churches has, it, has, it been, has there been a split because of unforgiveness? It's been, you know, I've been in churches before where unforgiveness has been part of, you know, part of the fixture and fittings of the building. You could sense it. I, I'm like, I don't want to be in this church. So that's number four. Number five. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. It's, it's great that, you know, Christian said, keeping the main thing, the main thing. This is about focus. Because what he was saying, look, guys, I don't want you to be distracted from anything else. I want you to keep the main thing, the main thing. Because did you know that Satan, Satan cannot kill you? Because Jesus said, I've got the keys to death and Hades. He can't kill you. But what he'll try to do is distract you. He is the master of mass distraction. Did you know that? He'll make sure that you're ineffective. That's what I want to do. It won't kill you. But ever wonder why, you know, when you're doing something great for God and you, you feel like you, you're really doing what God wants you to do in your life and then boom, something just happens, right? See, I used to think, well, oh, maybe that's a sign that I shouldn't be doing what I'm doing. But actually, the more I realize, so don't take it as a discouragement, but rather see it as an indication that you're on the right path. Because, you know, the devil will try to, will try to throw everything at you to keep you off what God wants you to do. Now, so this is what God revealed to me. Um, when a local church loses its appetite for worship, its clarity and vision their holy dependency on God, the revelation of his grace, and the focus on keeping the main thing, the main thing, then that's when the church stops advancing. That's what I got from that five verses. Now, you know, number five in the Bible is normally related to grace. See, uh, you know, I, I'm not just making this up. I honestly feel like God revealed that some, you know, that from that little passage, I'm thinking, God, we don't ever want to miss these things out. And, you know, I, I want to be as bold as this. You know, this church is doing exactly those five things. I, I just want to reaffirm you. I'm not just saying this because, you know, we're not doing it. I'm, I'm reaffirming us. Now, um, they, they, um, when I was thinking about it, well, okay, God, well, if that's the, if that's the case, then what's the solution? If, people, if churches stop doing those things, then what's the solution? He goes, well, it's prayer. Because if you think about it, the more you spend time in prayer with God, the more you want to worship him. The more time you spend with God, you can't help but think about lost people. The more you spend time with God, you know, the more you, you, you get revealed, uh, you, you more, uh, the more revelation of his grace gets revealed to you. And then, like I said before, the more, you, the more time you spend with God, it's easier to forgive others. You know, I could tell when I've not spent enough time with Jesus this week because every time somebody offends me, I'm, I'm like, how can I get them back? But if I, if, if I know I've spent enough time with Jesus, it'll be like, don't worry about it, man. You know, I'm, I'm quick to forgive people. And the more time I spend with Jesus, the more I'm focused and keeping the main thing, the main thing. You know, so this is the one thing that 
God really highlighted to me. So talking about let your kingdom come, your will be done, right? So I said to God, what does it really mean? Because it's kind of like a broad subject. You know, people say, well, you know, it's just the will of God. Well, what is the will of God? You know, it's kind of like people kind of like boxed it in as this. But actually, it's, it's this. I think the will of God is, is far greater than we could ever, you know, we could ever think, right? So he said, so I said, God, so what does let your kingdom come, your will be done mean? And he says, well, did you know that you are the fulfillment of that prayer? I says, okay, you know, let me into this, God, because I, I don't know what you mean. He says, you see, when, when Jesus said this, like I said, Peter must have been thinking, yeah, a physical kingdom. But Jesus was talking about his rule and reign in our hearts, okay? He was talking about his kingdom being in the hearts of his people. And his will is always to see the lost people be found. And actually, the Bible talks about them as the lost sheep of Israel. But actually now you call them your friends, your families, your workmates. That's what they are. Lost people. Now, this is what God showed me. It says, um, in the Old Testament, when they used to carry my presence, they used to put, put the, um, the pole on their shoulder, right? So you think about it. People carrying God's presence on their shoulder. Wherever they go, they were carrying his presence. Now he goes, New Testament, Still doing the same thing. You're still carrying my presence. So wherever you go, you're carrying my presence. You see, that, vi- um, that vision in, in the Old Testament is a fulfillment of what's to come. See, when, when God wanted to establish his kingdom, kingdom he wanted to, uh, to be a mobile kingdom. He wanted to be a kingdom that, that's not limited by walls, that's not limited by the seats that it could contain. It's not limited by the worship. It's not even limited by the media. It's not even limited by finances. But he wants a kingdom that's going to take his presence to wherever they go. That's the, great, that's the greatest revelation that I've ever got from God. Because I used to think that I needed to get Christians to come to my office and evangelize to my friends. But actually, you know, God's saying, no, I'm with you. I'm with you. How great is that? that you know, God's not only the God that goes before us, but he goes alongside us. And as I close, um, I, I really feel like God wants to draw a, a response from us, you know. That now that you know that you're carrying his presence to wherever you go, I just feel like God's want to say, look, I want, I want people to respond to this tonight because they need to know that I'm with them. They need to know that I'm with them. So I wonder if you, if you would stand with me that, you know, we'll take a stand for Mansfield tonight. That wherever we go, that we're going to take God's presence with us. Would you stand with me? Yes, God, we, we thank you, God, for your word, God, for preserving your word, God. Your word that is unshakable, God. Your word that is unfailing, Jesus. God, we want to thank you that you are building your church in Mansfield, God. That Mansfield has not seen the greatest move of God yet. That the best days of the churches in Mansfield are ahead, not behind, God. God, I'm believing, Lord, that as we're standing here right now, God, as we're standing here right now, God, we'll we'll feel your presence, God, just washing over us, God, that wherever we go, God, that you're with us, God.
that when we go to that workplace, God, then it could become a difficult situation, God. I pray that we know that we've got more than enough, God. We've got more than enough, God. God, I'm praying for those people, God, who are going back to the families, God, who don't believe you, God, and they feel discouraged, God, every time they see them because they're not believing in you just yet. God, I pray that you would empower them, God. You would fill their heart, God, with so much hope, God, because I know that you want to save those people, God. You want to save them, God. God, I'm praying over this church, God, that we would see more lost people come through these doors more than ever, God. That we'll never, ever get distracted, God, and keep our eyes off the main thing, God. The main thing about seeing lost people be found, Lord. God, I pray that the more we pray and spend time with you, God, that you would break our hearts, God, for what breaks yours, God. When we see broken people, we don't feel judgment and condemnation, God, but we feel compassion, God. Jesus, I want to say, you know, in this room, God, I want to, I want to declare that I'm, I'm surrendering my life to you again, God. That use me, God. Use me for whatever cause you want me to use me, God. All for your glory, God. All for your glory, Jesus. Amen. Oh,